Welcome to the Venari Podcast. My name is Joe Knight, and I lead the commercial function within the life sciences and healthcare practice here at Venari Partners. I'm joined today by Johanna Russell, CCO of a commercial stage biotech. Johanna has a wealth of experience across big pharma, although her career started in FMCG with Procter & Gamble. In the podcast today, we're talking about launching in rare diseases, building out a commercial organization, and utilizing experience from big pharma and other industries in a biotech setting. Johanna, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Very excited to be here. As you heard, my name is Johanna Rosel. I work for a biotech company. And first of all, I want to make sure that you know that the opinions that I express in this uh, podcast are my own, my personal opinions, and not of the company, my employee, employer, NCVANT, or any of the affiliates. Maybe we could start um, with you. Tell us a little bit about your career and experience to date. So originally, I I was born in Venezuela, had my, my college um, degree from Venezuela, I'm a computer engineer, and also did a master in telecommunication but changed completely my um, the the way that uh, I developed my my career and went to PNG to work in marketing so I had the opportunity to be with PNG in Venezuela Argentina and Chile and then change to Novartis in Switzerland and then came to the US with Novartis and stayed with them for 10 years and uh, most of my career in pharma has been like bigger companies like Novartis, Merck, um, Biogen and Malincrot. And now I came to a smaller biotech. What learnings did you take from that bigger company experience um, and how do you apply them to the biotech world as a chief commercial officer? First of all, the Procter & Gamble experience was very useful when I came to pharma because P&G um, the markets are very competitive. You need to be on top of innovation. You cannot let, uh, you know, like the insights from your customers be out there without you knowing. And when I came to pharma, it was a big difference because things are uh, happening slowly, <laughs> slower. And you exactly, you know exactly what the competition is going to do. You know what the clinical trials, where they are, when they will get the results. And uh, it always served me to keep that mindset of like innovation. How do we do it different? How do we satisfy the needs of our different customers, like patients or physicians or even payers? So um, that experience helped me be different in the world in the world of pharma. And from big pharma, I will say that uh, one of the you know, after so many years in I spent ten years at Novartis and as I said, Biogen and Merck. I feel that what I learned is like, what are the areas or the milestones that you should not skip? And I was able to differentiate, you know, what could be something that could be bureaucratic and not needed versus these are the steps that if you miss them, you are going to regret it because you are going to miss a huge opportunity. And obviously, um, I participated in big launches uh, of drugs that um, became blockbusters. And I'm able now to translate that to, you know, even smaller in the rare disease. Over the last year, you've launched and commercialized regenerative medicine in the US. What learnings have you taken from that launch process along the way? The first learning was that, uh, you know, we, we always talk about win-win proposition with our key stakeholders. And that's true not only in big pharma with a lot of customers, but uh, even commercializing in the regenerative medicine, which is a very innovative place where not everybody has been able to launch drugs. 
at the end of the day, if you don't understand like what is a win-win long-term proposition for your academic centers, your payers, etc., you are you're not able to evolve the business. We're able to launch last year, um, you know, like um, have patients treated, have the academic center um, agreeing with our plans and. Um, feeling that we are there to support them and um, with payers, being able to have a value proposition that is very strong is what is going to give you like a long term view of, uh, of the business where you can continue to grow. Indeed. And presumably it's important to have a, a strong team around you as well. How do you personally approach building a team and what are you looking for in commercial teams in the current environment? So imagine in smaller company in our regenerative medicine company, you can have uh, the luxury of having you know, people that are not consistently high performers. So um, it becomes even more important that you uh, make sure that everybody that is in the team is able to do both. I call it coach manager, the coach that can lead the multifunctional team, but also the person that is going to uh, execute at the same time that is thinking in the long term. Having people that have analytical thinking is key because um, at the end of the day, um, we are trying to combine a value proposition that uh, will make sense for everybody in the market, but also for the company. So I would say that uh, it's even more important to have high performing people that uh, are not um, scared to work hard in the implementation as they do in the strategy. Uh, there are a lot of people that have grown and think that they should be doing strategy and thinking and others executing. Even at my level, you know, many times we are like looking for what's happening to it, that patient and how can we help them. And, and getting the timing right is important too. How do you think about that timing piece and when to sort of execute on a launch and, and get the right people in? So I think like that's a huge learning that I got from, from Novartis and from the companies that I work at. And I understand that in smaller company, having a commercialization um, group that is too early, it's difficult to justify for investors, but it's the best investment that you can do because if your asset is in phase two, that means that, you know, it could be like five years from, from the moment that you are going to launch. At least you should have somebody that is strategic from the commercial point of view to understand that the TPP, the target pro profile that you are going to put in your phase three, maximizes the value of the asset. Then when you are two years out, out um, of a potential launch, you for sure should have a group of people that is looking from the access point of view, from the patients and the physicians and how that ecosystem will be. And trust me, two years go fast, super fast. And uh, not, it's not only like having the people, but understanding what are the resources that you need. Do you need to invest in OMED need? on understanding the disease. All of those things take time and are part of the equation that are going to make you successful in the long term. And how do you like to go about building that team? Do you use people from your network or how do you actually bring people in? The combination, you know, when I came to this organization, there were already people there. It's very important that uh, as a CCO or, you know, as a leader, you're able to assess talent fast. 
especially in small biotech, you cannot afford to, to drag with performance that is not optimal. So I will first assess the talent, second, uh, look into my network and see the people that I know that could be a good match. And also working with recruiters to ensure that, you know, like I can tell them the kind of, um, of uh, talent that I need and see if there is a match for us to, to interview people. What trends do you think we'll see in commercialization over the coming years, both in biotech and in, in big pharma? I think as, as, as always, now big pharma is going to be looking at the smaller companies that have a strong value proposition that could complement their pipeline and, um, and that will continue to happen. Um, nevertheless, the, the smaller companies, like um, the one uh, where I, I belong to, um, they can have a complete pipeline and PL that allows them to survive long term. The issues become depends on what kind of disease area are you going to? If you're going to a disease area that is very competitive, where other big companies have a lot of resources and can, um, you know, like uh, overshadow you, most likely it makes sense to go to a bigger company and be part of that or do a co-promote. Well, thanks so much, Joanna. Really great to have you on the Venari podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Joe.